Last Sunday, we launched into our summer sermon series with the story of Jesus calling his first disciples. Peter, James, and John, they, they return empty from a night out fishing, and they, they hear Jesus preaching out in the distance. And he meets them kind of in their, their everyday life as they're coming home from work. He, he, he sees that their, their boats are empty, and he encourages them to push out into deeper waters, and they do so, and they return with boatloads of fish. And that's when he extends that follow me invitation. And I asked this last week, what does it look like to push out into deeper waters today? What, what are you doing to grow in your faith? What sort of questions are you asking? Where are you being stretched to serve and be a part of what God is doing in the world today? Where are you pushing out into deeper waters? This morning, we're exploring the invitation that Jesus extends to Matthew. And here we're reminded that the invitation to follow Jesus is an invitation to healing and restoration. The first passage we read this morning tells of a, a dinner party that took place in Matthew's house. Jesus, he sees Matthew sitting in the, the tax collector's booth, which is probably somewhere along the shore of the lake. And it, this was like a, a customs stop or, or a toll booth for incoming commercial boats. He says, follow me. And then at some point, Matthew returns the invitation. He, he gives one of his own. The, the dinner party was full of people that the religious elite looked down upon. They just didn't fit into the mold of who a religious leader should be around. Some held a, a different understanding of the law. Others disregarded the law altogether. Now, some believe that Matthew placed this story, the story of the, the, the dinner party, sandwiched between miracle stories of miraculous hearings, healings, because both Matthew's invitation to follow Jesus and the dinner that happened after it are miracle stories in themselves. Before the invitation and the dinner, the start of chapter 9, we read this. Jesus stepped into a boat, crossed over, and came to his own town. Some men brought to him a paralyzed man lying on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. At this, some of the teachers of the law said to themselves, This fellow is blaspheming. Knowing their thoughts, Jesus said, Why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts? Which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven, or to say get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, get up, take your mat, and go home. Then the man got up and, and went home. When the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe, and they praised God, who had given such authority to a man. So in the minds of the, the teachers of the law, Jesus goes from, from blaspheming, forgiving sins, to eating with the folks on the fringe of society. But, but there's another lesson here. Jesus pairs having the authority to forgive sins with the authority to heal the paralyzed man physically. The, the religious elite, the Pharisees, they, they would have assumed that the forgiveness of sins was a transaction that impacted the future. Something that, that kind of involved the, the heavenly realm. And, and Jesus responds with an authority that, that pairs that realm, the, the past and the future, the forgiveness of sins, with the present restoration and healing, something that was visible and tangible. 
It, it gives us one of those glimpses of God's kingdom breaking into everyday life. So the crowds, they're in awe, and, and Jesus continues on his way. Matthew tells the invitation and, and dinner story, and then after giving a, a not-so-subtle illustration of putting new wine into new wineskins in order to both preserve a past, the past traditions and celebrate fresh expressions of faith, Matthew tells another story about a physical healing. While he was saying this, a synagogue leader came and knelt before him and said, My daughter has just died, but come, put your hand on her, and she will live. Jesus got up and went with him, and so did his disciples. Just then, a woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. She said to herself, if I only touch his cloak, I will be healed. Jesus turned to her and saw her. Take heart, daughter, he said. Your faith has healed you. And the woman was healed at that moment. When Jesus entered the synagogue leader's house and saw the noisy crowd and people playing pipes, he said, go away. The girl is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. After the crowd had been put outside, he went in and took the girl by the hand, and she got up. News of this spread throughout all the region. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So before the invitation in the meal, there's the healing of the paralyzed man. Then, then after, there's the synagogue leader's daughter, the woman who had been bleeding for 12 years, and, and three more stories that, that we didn't just read. Two blind men who were given sight, and a, a man who couldn't speak, given a voice. Stories of healing and restoration, miracles, as bookends to the invitation extended to Matthew to follow Jesus in the meal that took place at Matthew's house. Growing up, there was a family that, that lived a couple blocks away from, from our family, and they were like a, a second home to me. We'd carpool to school together. We'd go to the beach together. We'd, we'd go to uh, vacation together, church, sports, everything. The parents of the family, Polly and Kent, are, are still to this day like a second set of parents for me. Kent was actually the one who presented me to the presbytery during my ordination service years ago. We're still close. And when I think of why or how that bond formed, it really comes down to hospitality, to the way that they invited me into their lives, to the way they welcomed me. I could still drive to San Diego unannounced right now, knock on their door, and I'd be invited in and asked if I was staying for dinner. And Polly and Kent are, are great cooks. My wife learned early in our relationship that you don't say no when Polly and Kent invite you over for dinner. Now, whether or not you had a Polly or Kent in your life, I'm guessing you can think of a time or two where someone showed up somewhere at some time and you just felt an incredible amount of warmth, of kindness. It's a sort of hospitality that goes beyond what you would just kind of naturally expect. There are multiple takeaways from the ninth chapter of Matthew's gospel, the invitations and the miracles. But one of them is a, about the way that we engage other people. In a way, hospitality can be miraculous and an important part of providing healing and restoration. When Jesus calls out to Matthew and says, hey, follow me, it's not all that different from the invitation we talked about last week with Peter, James, and John, with the fishermen. 
Jesus meets them while they're returning from work and meets Matthew while he's at work. These stories, they they fly in the face of the one that's been passed down through generations in our our Western church culture. The the story that that says, you, you know what, there's something different between the sacred and the secular. Again, here, following Jesus begins with everyday life and the places where we spend most of our time. So for most of us, that's not church. It's in our homes, our neighborhoods, at work, wherever. Think about where you spend your most time. What does it look like for you to follow Jesus in that place? Are you listening for God's voice? Or are you looking for ways to share God's love in your everyday lives? I mentioned earlier that some in the early church considered Matthew's response to Jesus' invitation a miracle in itself. And I don't think we should doubt the sheer power of Jesus' words. But I also think we can learn from the way that Jesus notices his first disciples. I think it's fair to ask, what did he see in them? What was it about the fishermen that made him think, ah, these are my guys? What was it about Matthew? Did he look at him and see exhaustion in his eyes, always working? always trying to earn enough to be seen as valuable in the eyes of his peers? Did he see angerness, anger, bitterness, maybe fear? I'm not sure what Jesus saw, but we know that he noticed those first disciples. It's the first step of hospitality, seeing others in everyday life, wherever they are. But Jesus goes beyond simply taking notice. He he also steps into their place. In, in this place, he, in this day, he, he goes into Matthew's house to share a meal with his friends. This is one of those places in Scripture where I, where I wish we had a bit more insight. I'd love to know what Jesus and Matthew's friends talked about around that table. To be a fly on the wall in a house full of, of those tax collectors and sinners, as, as Matthew writes. Did they talk about the Roman government? About boats coming in and out of port? Did Jesus call them out? Or did he just listen along? Maybe they just talked about whatever food they were eating. We will never know. But we do know that the meal itself frustrated the Pharisees, or as one translation puts it that I like, the the serious ones. These were the outcasts of society. At best, the Pharisees ignored them completely. At worst, they actively discriminated against them. And Jesus sees them. He enters their space. And presumably he gets to know them over a meal. The Pharisees go to Jesus' disciples and they challenge him. And Jesus responds with a common, common sense response. Healthy people don't need a doctor, but sick people do. But then he backs up that common sense response with something that would have carried even more weight for the Pharisees. He says, go home and read your Bibles. Flip to Hosea 6.6 and reflect on what God means with the word mercy. The word Jesus used translates elsewhere as compassion or kindness. So Jesus models hospitality by taking notice of others, by stepping into their space, by getting to know them over a meal, by extending mercy or compassion. How can we follow that model today? In our everyday lives and in our life together at WPC. Take notice. Gently step into others' space. Get to know them. Extend mercy. I think the story of Matthew's invitation 
and the meal at his house, it definitely falls into those miracle stories. Because doing things, these things truly is miraculous. And when we follow Jesus' lead, his example, we take part in bringing restoration and healing to a, a world that desperately needs it. Amen.